1: That's Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. We now rejoin today's message already in
1: progress. Your leadership, your leadership in the church is operating on counterfeit theology. Oh, they may be able to quote scripture. They may be able to teach wonderful sermons. Is Jesus confirming the word that's been preached with signs? What kind of signs, Brother Bob? What kind of signs does the Bible say? Mark chapter 16. Let's turn right over to We'll read it right out of the scripture. Glory to God. Mark 16, verse 15. Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that does not believe shall be damned. These signs will follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils. Not they may. In my name they may be able to cast out devils every now and then. No, it doesn't say that. It says my name they will. Cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. Some churches don't believe in speaking in tongues. They will lay hands on the sick. And the sick, if it's God's will to heal them, they may recover. No. It says they will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. They will. There's no choice in the matter. It. Jesus did not say, maybe, maybe not. He says it will happen. It will happen. In so many churches today, the pastors are afraid to pray like that. What happens if they don't get their healing then? I'm going to look like a fool in front of everybody. You look like a fool in the eyes of God right now. Are you afraid to step out in faith? It is so evident in society today, the mindset of this society, that it's always somebody else's fault when something doesn't work. They fail to take personal responsibility. It's it's seen all over society today. If a person fails at something, if it fails in school, it's the fault of bad teachers. If they get in trouble with the police, it's a the bad parenting. If they don't have enough money and they go broke, it's a bad economy. It's bad friends, bad something. Something other than bad choices on the part of the individual. Oh, don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. Glory to God. Go ahead and write me your letters. Send me your emails. I won't read them anyway. But if it makes you feel better, go ahead. I'll just pray for the Holy Spirit to continue to convict you by the word, just like he's doing right now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The Western understanding of covenant is a popular doctrine and is easily found on Christian radio and Christian bookstores and Christian TV. Some of the church's most trusted, well-known preachers teach it as truth. Some Christians are confused by what they see going on. In the church today, many secretly want to know why God seems different now than the God they see in the Bible. The answer is not a mystery. God is still the same as He was, He hasn't changed. We are the ones who have changed. By allowing religious thinking to change the definition of covenant, we've lost the very foundation of our faith. The book of James says that without the truth, the true Bible kind of faith, In James 1, 6 and 7, says, Let not that man think he'll receive anything from the Lord. The problem lies with the kind of faith we have and where our faith is founded. Change the meaning of the blood covenant with God, you destroy the biblical kind of faith. In Matthew chapter 14, we see another example of Bible faith in action. Amen. Starting down in verse 22. We see Jesus sent his disciples across the sea by ship. And while he sent the multitude away after he fed the 5,000, amen? And the fourth watch of the night, the boat is being tossed about by the waves in a storm. And Jesus comes walking towards them on the sea. You can read the entire account yourself, but I want to focus here on what Peter did in this situation. Peter saw, well, the disciples saw Jesus walking on the water, and Peter said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, what's Jesus going to do in a situation like that? If it's really you, well, it was really him. If it's really you, command me to come. What's Peter, or what's Jesus going to say? He could only say one thing. All right, boy, come on. Come. That's all he said to Peter. One word. Come. Isn't that what Peter said? Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat in the middle of the storm and walked on the water. Other than Jesus, he's the only one who's ever walked on water. I was preaching this in a church one time, and I told everybody, I walked on water. I can do it. And everybody looked at me, and I said, I asked, show of hands, how many of you have walked on water? Nobody raised their hand. How many of you ever walked on ice? A lot of hands shot up. How many of you all ever slipped and fell on the ice? A lot of hands shot up. So, So even when God solidifies the water for you, you still can't walk on water. And everybody got a good chuckle out of that one. But Peter got out of that boat in the middle of the storm and walked on the water. And then almost immediately something happened. Peter started out in success by receiving the word that Jesus said to come. As long as Peter's faith remained on what Jesus said and he remained focused on Jesus, he did the same thing Jesus did. He walked on water. Peter's faith, however, was pulled off what Jesus said. And he started looking around and he seeing the boisterous wind. And human reason started to take over at that point. And Peter began to sink. Human reason said to Peter, Look at that wind. Look at that storm. Look where you are. You're out of the boat. This is impossible. See, Peter was a fisherman by trade. He grew up on that water. He knew it was not safe to even be in a boat in a storm like that. Let alone walk on the water outside the boat. And as soon as he stopped looking at Jesus, and focusing on Jesus, and started looking around he began to sink. The Bible says that Jesus had to catch him before he went underwater. Then Jesus rebuked Peter by saying to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? See, Jesus said that Peter had little faith. I don't know of anyone in the modern church, especially in America, that could even take one step under the water. Even so-called faith giants today. Yet Peter as a mortal man did. And this is the real miracle in the story. If Peter had little faith where are we at in the church today when we won't even consider going down to the lake and walking across it. And we're supposedly people of great faith. Most of the time preachers focus our attention on Peter's words. Lord save me! They turn those three words into something that illustrates the need for salvation. And although that's not necessarily bad, we also need to see that this miracle gives one of the clearest pictures about the nature of real biblical faith. It's also important to see that Peter was the only one of the disciples to get out of the boat. The other 11 disciples were afraid to try. They were sitting in that boat when Jesus said, come, and Peter got up, started stepping over the side of the boat, I could just hear these other disciples. Peter, what are you doing? Get back in this boat, boy. We don't believe in walking on water here. We don't believe that kind of stuff. What are you doing? Get back in this boat. Peter didn't listen to them. He listened to the word. The word Jesus spoke. And it created just enough faith in him that he could do what Jesus did. Oh, don't shut me down when I'm preaching good now. If you take the word which Jesus has given to you, and you walk with that word, focused on that word, you can do what Jesus did. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. That's when you can lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's when you cast out devils in the name of Jesus. That's when you do the same works Jesus did. That's when you can bring the dead back to life. Jesus said, Go, as you go, preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you've received, freely give. When you take that word that Jesus said, whatever things you ask me to do in my name, I'll do them. Whatever things you ask the Father for in my name, He'll give them to you. When you take these words that Jesus gave these disciples, and then He said, us, through the word that they would, the testimony that they would give, and every person listening to the sound of my voice has come to salvation. Through the testimony of one or more of these men. So it includes us. You take the words Jesus said. And you believe them. Jesus said you'll do the same works he did. And even greater works than that. Amen. Glory to God. The other 11 disciples were afraid to even try stepping out of the boat. What would you do if you were there? Ah, uh, don't. I hear you looking at me in that tone of voice. Glory to God. You would have sat in the boat too. Amen. I probably would have too. There. I hope that makes you feel better. Glory to God. It took faith to get out of that boat. How much faith? Just a little bit. Jesus said Peter had little faith. So if little faith can allow you to walk on water, and nobody can walk on water today, How much faith do you think we have? Minuscule faith. I hope I'm really offending somebody right now. Just stepping all over your spiritual toes. Amen? There's another important lesson to be learned from this example. Notice very carefully that Jesus stated it was his will for Peter to walk on the water by saying one word. Come. Jesus wanted Peter to succeed. If this is so, then why did Peter sink? The majority of the church has the wrong notion that if something is God's will, then it will automatically come to pass. Nothing could be farther from the truth. And this scripture here proves it. Jesus said it was Peter's failure. His failure was due to having little faith. He lost the little bit of faith he had. How could this be, since God always does whatever God wants to do, and is limited by no man or no thing? Jesus clearly wanted Peter to walk on the water. The argument that God does whatever he wants doesn't hold up in this example. And clearly, it doesn't remain true in other examples in the Bible as well. Such as when the woman with an issue of blood was healed just by touching the border of Jesus' garment. Jesus said, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Luke 8, 43. You can read the story beginning verse 43. If these things are true, then God demands an active kind of faith from us, not a passive kind of faith. A believer with active faith recognizes that they have a responsibility in the prayer process. They understand that the spiritual success or failure has a lot to do with the condition of their faith. It's not that we can tell God how to answer our prayers, as some have asserted. Rather, it's our being obedient to God's ways. Amen? When you look at Peter's example of walking on the water, along with the example of the 12 spies, you'll see that true faith. covenant people are few in number I mean you take the the 12 disciples with the 12 spies there's 24 people and only 3 had the faith that God recognized that's 1 out of 8 and all of them are considered children of God But one out of eight has the faith to do the miraculous. Think about that. True, faith-filled covenant people are few in number. And they are usually persecuted by the majority, by the religious community, and called fanatics or heretics. I've seen a blog post or a post uh, on a message board Concerning our ministry. And someone said that I'm a fanatic and a, uh, what would they call me? A uh, cult leader. <laughs> I got a good chuckle out of that. That could be farther from the truth. I just, yeah, I'm a fanatic, all right. I believe what the Bible says is true. And if the Bible says it's true, I'm going to believe it. Anything else, I reject. Because everything else is counterfeit. So yeah, I'm a fanatic, all right. Glory to God. Since Jesus was also branded as a heretic by the religious leaders of his day, I think being a heretic in this area is viewed as, as something positive, amen? I'd rather be in the same group as Jesus any day. Hallelujah! I cite these scriptural examples in order to illustrate this point. First of all, Bible faith is demonstrated... By receiving. Faith is a right response to God's word, and his right response is one of receiving. Joshua and Caleb received the taking of the promised land before they had it. Their faith was based on God's promise given through the blood covenant to Abraham. Peter received Jesus' word to come. He accepted Jesus' word as true. Because he believed Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. Later on, when Jesus asking his disciples, he said, who do men say I am? They said, well, you're one of the prophets, you're John the Baptist, resurrected and all that. Said, who do you say I am? The only one that spoke up was Peter. Amen. So Peter had faith in Jesus. He accepted Jesus' word as true and demonstrated that he had received his word by stepping out of that boat in the middle of the sea in the middle of a violent storm and walk on water. Glory to God. That's the kind of Bible faith God is looking for. Well, but Peter began to sing. Yeah, but he got out of the boat. Amen. I got a teaching somewhere back. I might have to do it again. Called get out of the boat. Amen. Your faith will take you from the boat where everybody's at and take you one step closer to Jesus. Even if that's all Peter walked was one or two steps. That was one or two steps more than the other eleven. Oh, glory to God. That is the kind of faith God's looking for. Just trust me, is what God is saying. If you got 12 people and one takes that step of faith, God will work with that one. Amen. And miracles will abound. That's the kind of Bible faith God's looking for. We need to keep in mind that faith in the blood of God's Son is the only way this kind of faith operates. Without this kind of faith, the new covenant in Christ's blood will not benefit you at all. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. And the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. And those who heard it, oh hallelujah, the covenant we have with God is written in the blood of his son. Do you think that if you had to write a covenant with any other individual, you had to write it in the blood of your child who had to die in order to establish that covenant with that other person, do you think you would take it serious? How would you feel if the other party just laughed it off? Eh, yeah, I did say I'd enter into covenant, but, you know, I changed my mind now. And, yeah, not taking it serious. Laugh it off as if it was nothing. How would that make you feel? I'll give you this illustration and then we'll get ready to close. Having served in the military for a good chunk of my life, I have a very serious attitude when it comes to love of country. If I'm at a baseball game or football game and they play the national anthem, very rarely is it that I don't tear up. Those who disregard this country and disregard the sacrifices our military men and women have made over the years really, and I mean really, gets under my skin. So much so that I have to be careful or I'll forget that I'm a Christian. (laughs) Amen, you know what I mean? That's how serious I take the blood of those that sacrificed those that sacrificed it all for our country. Because I had taken the same oath they did. I was willing to give my all for my country. That's how much I love this nation. Amen. The United States of America. And when I see or when I hear people that disrespect our flag, people that disrespect our nation, or people that disrespect our servicemen or women, I get filled with what I call righteous anger. Amen. Amen. That's a very weak example. But how much more God views those who disrespects the blood of his son. Amen. So my question for you today, folks, is how do you view the blood of Jesus Christ and the blood covenant that God the Father entered into through the blood of his son, through the death, of his son, in order to sovereignly agree to forgive your sins and give you eternal life. Do you discount it? Do you just laugh it off? eh? eh whatever. If so, my friend, you can reject this offer one more time. Maybe, perhaps, in God's sovereign will, he'll give you another opportunity. To change your mind. Then again. Maybe not. And if not. Then this day. Will forever be replayed in your memory. Forever. That you discounted. The blood. Of Jesus. God's only son. You discounted the blood covenant. You reject. Not somebody else. You rejected it. You made the decision to say no. You did it. God was ready. Jesus was ready. Holy Spirit was ready. They were all ready to enter into this covenant for your benefit. But you are the one who said no to God. Oh, that is a terrible, terrible thing. Some people are laughing right now. Yeah, whatever, old man. All you preachers are to say. There's many roads to heaven. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said He is the way. There's only one way to get to the Father, and that's through Jesus. And God proved Jesus was the only way when He raised Him from the dead. Mohammed is still dead. Buddha's dead. Confucius is dead. Harry Krishna is dead. All the other gods that people worship. Wood, stone, whatever. They're all dead. There's no life in them. But God. Honored the death of his son. As a sacrifice in our behalf. And raised him from the dead. He's the only one. Whose tomb is still empty. The only one. And you can laugh it off if you want to. Ten minutes from now, you may be dead. Heart attack, car accident, fall down the stairs, whatever. You don't know when your next breath is going to be taken, whether you're even going to get one more heartbeat. And then it'll be too late. The requirement is, you have to make the decision to enter into this blood covenant. Act on the blood covenant. Receive the offer of salvation through the sacrifice of God's only son, Jesus, while you still have breath in your body. Amen. In Romans, chapter 10, verse 9. Let's go to verse eight. What does faith say? The word, John chapter one is Jesus. the word is near you even in your mouth in other words, your breath. So I say you don't you're not guaranteed one more breath, but your breath has to form the words that come out of your mouth. For Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart what? The man speaks. The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith which we've been preaching. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with your mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord... Shall be saved. Not may be saved. Shall be saved. Amen. If you believe that. Repeat this simple prayer with me right now. Father God. I am so sorry. For my sins. I'm so sorry. For rejecting your covenant. Made through the blood of your son. I ask for forgiveness of that. And I accept and receive this blood covenant written in the blood of your only begotten son, Jesus. I believe Jesus died for me as a sacrifice for me, entering into blood covenant with me. I receive this now. And Jesus, I thank you for the forgiveness of all my sins because of your blood covenant. I ask you to right now come into my heart and be Lord over my life. And from this point forward, I am in blood covenant with you and the Father forever. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Father, for honoring that blood covenant. I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to welcome you to the family. Glory to God. You're in covenant family now who's sealed by the Holy Spirit of God in your heart. Amen. If that's you, email me today at brotherbob at ftfm.org and we want to rejoice with you and send you out some material. Glory to God, we're all out of time now. But remember, God loves you. We love you. We pray for you every day. And greater is he who's in you than he that's in this earth. Be blessed in all you do
0: you have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's FTFM.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?